promise and knowing that there's nothing that can stop the Lord Almighty. So let's sing this out in faith together. Come on. Who can stop the Lord? Make it your prayer. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Y'all can have a seat and good morning. Oh, wow, that was really bad. Good morning. All right, there you go. Sorry, couldn't do two things at once, sit and say good morning. That was tough. Um, Guys, it is great to see y'all this morning and I hope y'all had a great spring break. I realize that for some of y'all, you're just realizing now that it's spring break. Um, After you get done with school, you don't get spring break anymore and that's really tough. I'm sorry, I feel your pain. Um, and I'm there as well. Hey, we have a ton of things coming up, and so I wanted to um, remind you guys that if you have a uh, if you have a phone that has a camera on it, I know it's crazy, but um, then click on that fellowship news QR code, and that'll give you more information about all the things we have coming. The big thing for me that we have coming up is family camp opens today. So family camp registration opens today. That is Mother's Day weekend. That's May 13th and 14th. And that'll be out at New Life Ranch, which is at the the Flint Valley one, which is, is about 45 minutes away. We have a couple of different options for that. We have the day option where you can come out with your family for the day, um, and that is a full day of camp, y'all. It is a lot of fun. Or we have the overnight option as well. So when you, when you go to register, you can register for one of those two options, and this is open to all fellowship families, no matter your age or what your family looks like. We would love to have you out there and join us for family camp. The overnight option has some limited space, and so I would encourage you to sign up for that one quickly, so do that um, as soon as you can. Easter is in two weeks, y'all. It is kind of sneaking up on us, and so we have so many Easter services. We have the seven o'clock Easter sunrise service out in the, out in the West Field. 
bring a chair and probably a blanket for that. Um, and then at 9, 10, and 11 o'clock, we have services in here and we have family services out in the Westfield. And I would encourage y'all bring a chair and a blanket um, out to the Westfield. If it is raining, then that sunrise service at 7 o'clock will be canceled and the family service out in the field will be moved to the Student Center West, so the FSM room at 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. Also, coming up that week on April 7th is Good Friday. And if you have never been to the Stations of Reflection, um, we have it over at the Training Center, and it is a sweet time of reflection over what Jesus did for us. And that'll be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and that'll be over at the Training Center, right out, right in the, in the training center room and right outside. Let me, let me encourage y'all, it, it is a great place to bring your family as well. That was where we brought our kids and walked them through what communion was and took communion with them for the first time when my boys were little. And that was a, that's a really sweet time of reflection with your family over what Jesus did for us. We also have some men's events coming up. Sorry, we got some men's events coming up. Um, we have a few different things going. We got the Fellowship Golf Scramble, and that is coming up April 14th out of Stonebridge Meadows. Let me, let me be the first person to tell you, you do not have to be good at golf to be there, all right? So I play golf about once a year, and I'm excited to go out there. My goal is to leave with as many golf balls as I came with. That would be a huge win for me. And so we would love to have y'all out there. That'll be April 14th. And then we've got the men's retreat coming up May 5th and 6th. That is out at the Buffalo, one of the prettiest places on earth, y'all. And it will be so much fun. We'll be doing canoeing, um, fun, fellowship, and worship together. That'll be a great time together. And we are excited for all these things coming up. So remember, that's a lot of things that I just gave you. Remember, you can go to the website, you can go to the the news page, and you can get all the information for that stuff and sign up for those things. All right, hey, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for walking before us today, Father. Thank you so much for the amazing things that you've done this past week. Lord, thank you for the FSM trips to all these different cities and all these different countries, Father. And Lord, thank you for returning them safely. Father, we pray for the Costa Rica trip and the Denver trip that are still on their way home. Lord, I pray that you would watch over them and I pray that you would guard them. Father, thank you so much for knowing our every need and for meeting us exactly where we are. May we walk in your joy and your peace as you open up your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Fellowship family, let's stand again and sing. If you, if you would and you want, let's stand and sing. In the darkness, we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophet to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Sing it out, fellowship. 
Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold
would you bow in prayer with me? Well, Lord Jesus, we come to do just that, to behold you, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and is to come. And we recognize that you are the King of kings, the sovereign ruler of the universe. And we bow before you. You are worthy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever been in the in-between between houses, between flights, between jobs, between seasons. When you are in the in-between, here is waiting for there. Now is lived in anticipation of what is next. It's, it's living in a state of ongoing expectation. When you're in between, the today for you is really hoping for tomorrow. In 2020, when we got bored during COVID, Amy and I did what a lot of you did. We painted our baseboards and sold our house in four hours. <laughs> and we had nowhere to go. We had some plans, but they didn't work out. So we went into the in-between. We moved into a rent house and lived there for a year, and we moved in thinking it would be a couple of months, two or three months, so we stored everything. We stored our Christmas stuff. We stored some of Amy's favorite pots and pans. We stored some of our clothes thinking we wouldn't make it to that season. We were really living in between. Our today was really an unfulfilled realization of what we were hoping for tomorrow. As believers in Christ, we are actually called to live faithfully in the in-between, between the first coming of Jesus and his glorious return, between redemption and restoration, between the empty tomb and the day of the Lord. Theologians have actually coined this period that we live in right now as the already, but not yet. The work is finished, and as we sing, the end is written. But we still await the full realization of all that is to come. We live in the in-between. We are awaiting the fulfillment of Christ's promised return. After his death and resurrection, Jesus ascended to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. He ushered in the church age. And then he promised to one day return and to usher in the end of the age. And that's where we're at right now on God's timeline. We're in the church age. We're awaiting the promised return of Jesus. We're in the in-between, between two advents. Christ's first advent, Bethlehem, the manger, and his second advent. We're in the between uh, two comings and goings when Jesus ascended into heaven and when he'll return in the clouds. And the Bible's clear. 
that there will be a consummation of all things. There will be a culmination of the earthly story. You could call it the end of the age. And according to the scriptures, that day, the day of the Lord, is near and it's certain. Have you ever thought about the end times? Be careful on YouTube, that's a rabbit hole. Do you ever think about the end of the age? How will it all end? How will the sovereign Lord, the creator of the universe, bring this era, this dispensation of human history to a conclusion? How will he usher in the end of the age? Now, this was a question that was asked in the day of Jesus. In fact, in in Matthew chapter 24, it speaks a lot of this time period that awaits us in the future. And his disciples came to him. And Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the very place he promised to return. And the disciples came to him. And they said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? First, note that it was assumed that there would be an end of the age. It was coming. So it was not an if question, but a when question, a how question. You see, followers of Jesus believe that God has a plan to usher in the last days. Uh, He has a plan for the eschaton, the end times. And we believe that God will orchestrate a culmination of history, that this world will pass away and a new dispensation of existence will begin. There will be calamity, then there will be restoration, and then there will be eternity. And that's where our study will actually lead us Today, as we conclude our winter teaching series, so open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel is a very unique book, and one reason that it stands out is that of all the Old Testament books of prophecy, this is the one that contains the most apocalyptic, prophetic literature. You can really divide Daniel into two parts. There are six chapters that contains Stories of courageous and faithful living. It's about Daniel and his friends. But then there's six chapters that are prophetic in nature. They contain visions of what will happen in the future. Daniel received a gift from God. It was an ability to interpret dreams and to prophesy about the future. And the words of the Lord through Daniel accurately predicted both the near future and far future events. You cannot read the book of Daniel without realizing this, that kings and kingdoms will come and go. But God is above them all, and he will rule and reign forever. One of the primary features of the book is that God revealed the future through the prophet, and those prophecies came true for Daniel, some of them in real time. They had an immediate fulfillment in Daniel's day. Others came true over time in what you might call near Daniel's day. Now, when I say near, I mean 100 years or 500 years into the future from Daniel's day. And then there are a few prophecies from Daniel's lips that are yet to be fulfilled that will come true at the end 
of the age. In fact, you can read Daniel and you can read Matthew 24 and you can read the book of Revelation all on the same table and it speaks of the same events. So one of our takeaways when we study the prophetic side of the book of Daniel, and I hope that you're seeing this as we study the book, is that God's word is trustworthy. When God says something will come to be, it does. Daniel prophesied the future with pinpoint accuracy. Time and time again, the words prophesied by the Lord through Daniel were proven true. And this gives us confidence that those prophecies yet to be fulfilled will also come true. Let me remind you of a few of the fulfilled prophecies from the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, Daniel prophesied the rise and the fall of four empires, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. Some of those hundreds of years into the future, and it all came true. In Daniel chapter 4, Daniel prophesied that King Nebuchadnezzar would fall from glory and be turned into a wild beast, and it came true 12 months later. In Daniel chapter 5, Daniel prophesied that King Belshazzar would be removed from power and that the Babylonian Empire, this is one of the most powerful empires in the world and one of the most powerful empires in the history of the world, that that empire would fall and it fell that very night. In Daniel chapter 8, Daniel actually prophesies the rise of one of the most powerful uh, military commanders in the history of the world, Alexander the Great and his four successors. In Daniel chapter 9, with his partner, the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel predicted the return from exile after 70 years for the Israelites, and it came true. Do you see a pattern? The Lord reveals, Daniel speaks, and it comes true. Daniel chapter 11 is a masterpiece. In fact, in your Daniel Esther study guides on page 80, you have this chart. And it contains prophecies about 18 different kings that were in the future from Daniel's day. And the chapter actually delivers 135 detailed prophetic statements concerning real historical figures that came true over a 350-year period with precise accuracy. Daniel chapter 11 so accurately predicted the future, hundreds of years into the future, that most progressive or liberal Bible commentators say that the date we have for the book of Daniel must be wrong. That he must have written at a later date, looking back into the past to have predicted these things with such accuracy. So what's the point, Sam? The prophecies of the Lord are trustworthy. Daniel has pinpoint accuracy. God confirmed his sovereign rule, his reign through these prophetic fulfillments. Fulfilled prophecy is God's mode of operation. In fact, the prophet Isaiah said this about the Lord. Quoting the Lord, he says, I made known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. The Lord says, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. 
One of the things God's telling us through the book of Daniel is that he is driving the course of human history and you can count on prophetic fulfillment. Today, I wanna show you two more prophecies from the book of Daniel that we've yet to look at. One is considered the most amazing prophecy in all of the scripture. It's mind-blowing and it was fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And then I'm gonna show you one that is yet to be fulfilled, that's coming at the end of the age. And here's what I want us to learn at the end of the day, just a simple thought, that God is the author of the end of the story. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I, I watch the news and it feels like that the affairs of earth are spinning out of control. It's as though God has put on noise-canceling headphones in the throne room of heaven and just said, y'all work it out. But I want you to know that the end is written and it's sealed and God will orchestrate every minute of the culmination of human history. Daniel has taught us that God's in control. He's the sovereign ruler of the universe. While kings and kingdoms will come and go, he rules and reigns forever. And he is exercising his dominion, his sovereignty, and his providence over the affairs of the earth. It was true then. We see that in the book of Daniel. It's true now. So you can watch the news with peace. And it will be true then and for all eternity. One of my profs at Dallas Theological Seminary said this. Today we can see as never before how God has fulfilled his predictions exactly in the past. And this gives us great confidence as we anticipate his faithfulness to those promises that still remain unfulfilled. So we can trust God's got a plan and a purpose for the end, for the future. The consummation of all things is in his hands. He is directing, ordering, appointing, ordaining the future just as he did in the past. And we'll see this clearly today. Let's dive into the passage. So pick it up. Daniel chapter nine is where we're at. Daniel chapter nine, verse 20. Daniel has just finished his time of prayer. We looked at that last week in 9 verses 1 to 19. Verse 20 reads, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. He's speaking there of Jerusalem. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. So Daniel received an instant answer to his prayer. While he was still praying, the Lord sent word to him. The last line of his prayer in verse 19 that we looked at last week, Daniel said, Lord, listen. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay. And the Lord didn't delay. The Lord immediately answered. He sent a rapid response while Daniel was still in prayer. While his words of confession were still on his lips, the Lord sent a messenger to him. The angel Gabriel came to him in swift flight. Boy, I'd like to unpack that. What does that mean? In swift flight. Before the Avengers, there was Gabriel. In swift flight. 
Now, this is the same angel who visited Daniel in Daniel chapter 8. And he's most likely the same figure that appeared to him in Daniel chapter 10. And it's the same angel that appeared to Zechariah to announce the birth of John the Baptist. It's the same angel that appeared to Mary to announce the birth of Christ. Both of those in Luke chapter 1. So note this. When Gabriel appears, there's big news. He appeared to Daniel during his prayer at the time of the evening sacrifice. Think about that. Daniel's been exiled from Jerusalem for close to 70 years. And he's still worshiping at the appointed time as prescribed by the Mosaic law. Perhaps this was one of his three times of daily prayer that's mentioned in Daniel chapter six. So he's praying during the time set for the evening sacrifice and God sent an immediate response to his prayer. Just a reminder God is in the business of hearing and answering prayer. So pray without ceasing. Now, it's not always gonna work out like this. You're not gonna be in a time of prayer and Gabriel's gonna come to you in swift flight with a word from the Lord. But we should pray about everything because he hears and he listens. He answers, he sends word. What, what did the messenger, the angel Gabriel have to say? Look at verses 22, 23. It says, he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to you to give insight and understanding. Daniel, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So Gabriel comes to deliver a message. This is gonna be a content download. He had something that the Lord wanted Daniel to hear and receive. He came to deliver insight and understanding. He was bringing a word from the Lord to the prophet about the future. And Daniel is called here highly esteemed by the angel. That phrase comes up three times in the book. Daniel is called highly esteemed three times, and all three times it comes from a heavenly messenger. So think about that. The book clearly establishes in the first six chapters that Daniel was distinguished before the kings of the earth. Just think about it. He was one selected to bring over in the exile. He was one exalted because of his abilities to interpret dreams. He was the one honored because he was willing to stand up to the king. So he was distinguished before the kings of the earth, but here he's esteemed in the throne room of heaven. Wow, three times it says that about him. How would you like to have that kind of description, that kind of heavenly street cred assigned to you? That you're highly esteemed by God, that's something to strive for. So Daniel was given insight and understanding, and in return, he was asked to consider and understand. God delivered the message, but Daniel was asked to exert effort and comprehension. This is how it works spiritually. God brings the word, but then he asks us to activate our human diligence and understanding. Verse 24 is where this really gets interesting. Daniel receives a vision about the future. Gabriel gives the content. He says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring an end 
bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So Daniel receives here a decree about the future. First, note that verse 24 concerned Daniel's people and Daniel's holy city. This is a prophecy about Daniel's people, the nation of Israel and its holy city, Jerusalem. This would have been great news for Daniel. It meant that there was a future hope for Israel. Remember, this is a book describing the Israelites while they lived where? In exile. They were in Babylon, now in Persia. But they would not remain there forever, and their city would not remain in rubble. Daniel and his people had not been cast aside by the Lord. They had not been forgotten about. God was still dealing with them. God still had purposes and plans for them. And Gabriel informed Daniel that God's plan would be fulfilled, look at it, in 70 sevens. Now, the sevens refer not to days and not to months, but years. We talked about that when we studied Daniel chapter 4. So 70 sevens is how many years? Get out your calculator app. 490 years. So the good news is that God had a plan for them. There was a future hope for Israel, but this hope would not be realized immediately. There was going to be a long period of time before them. God's work in their future hope was more like a crock pot than it was like a microwave. Israel would be restored, but they would have to wait Almost 500 years. Waiting's not easy, is it? The older I get, the less I like to wait. I would rather eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich than to wait 30 minutes to get into a restaurant. And it's really hard to wait on the Lord. Bible commentator Dale Davis said this, we want relief from trials now. We expect Christian maturity Now, we demand answers to prayer now. And God says to us, as it seems that he's saying to Daniel and his people here in the text, now this is what I'm going to do, but not right away. So hunker down and settle in to a long faithfulness towards your final hope. I love that line. That's something to put on your refrigerator. A long faithfulness toward a final hope. That's living in the in-between. Well, verse 24 promised six things that would happen in the 77s to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy place. You could break those into two categories. Three deal with the forgiveness of sin, and the other three deal with really what will happen when the kingdom comes. Both are enabled by the work of Jesus on the cross, but both will not fully be fulfilled until his glorious return. Verse 25 brings us an awesome and amazing prophecy that was fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Know this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. 
It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. So verse 25 actually begins by giving us a time stamp that's very important. It says, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, this is talking about a decree that would come from one of the Persian kings releasing the Israelites back to Jerusalem to rebuild it. The problem is there were four of them. I'm going to save you some time. You can look it up and make your decision. But I think this is referring to the fourth decree which actually referred to the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and Bible history people who rebuilt the walls, Nehemiah. So from Artaxerxes to Nehemiah, he gave a decree, go and rebuild Jerusalem. And we actually have a timestamp date for that. It recurred in 444 BC. In fact, March 5th, 444 BC. Now think about that. From that date... Until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So 69 sevens, so 483 years between the rebuilding decree, March 5th, 444 BC, and the coming of the anointed one. Now, what is it talking about when it says the coming of the anointed one? Well, this is talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. And check this out. It's not talking about his birth or his baptism or his initiation of his public ministry. What is it referring to when it talks about the anointed one, the ruler coming? Well, work with me here. When was Jesus formally recognized as the king? It only happened one day in his life. When was Jesus accepted by the people as the coming ruler and king of Israel? If you remember, he came into town riding a donkey. And the people lined the streets and laid their cloaks on the road to form a red carpet. And they waved palm branches in the air and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king, the ruler. So I think it's referring to the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Now, check this out. The Jewish people used a lunar calendar. So their years were 360 days, 12 months of 30 days. So let's do some math. I'll give you a visual aid. There's 69 sevens, that's 483 years. With a 360-day lunar calendar, that's 173,880 days. Are you with me? With me? Anybody need coffee? Are we good? Now, if you take the time stamp, March 5th, 444 BC, Artaxerxes tells Nehemiah to go rebuild the wall. And then you add 173,880 days. Guess where you end up? On the timeline, you end up to the day, March 30, 33 AD, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, the first day of the Passover week, the first day of the last week of Christ's life. 
Now, many theologians and Bible commentators conclude that Daniel, with pinpoint accuracy, 500 years into the future, predicted the entry of the anointed one, the ruler, into the holy hill, Jerusalem. I just gotta stop and say, is that pretty awesome or what? (laughs) Mind-blowing. Now, I will also say that I have friends down the road or up the street or there are Bible commentators and theologians who would choose one of the different decrees. Some of them would try to time this out to Bethlehem and the birth of Christ. But let me just say this. If Daniel is within 10 years, this dude's a stud, okay? I mean, 500 years into the future, and not only does he predict the entry of the king, he predicts the death of the king. It goes on, look at verse 26. It says, after the 62 sevens, so seven sevens and then 62 sevens, the ruler will come in and then the anointed one will be put to death and he'll have nothing. So not only did he predict the coming of the king, he also predicted the death of the king. He foretold that the anointed one would lose his life, that he would be emptied, poured out, cut off, made Nothing. So he predicted Sunday and he predicted Friday. And this is just one more example you can add to the list of Daniel foretelling the future with pinpoint accuracy. And so the point is, if Daniel's been accurate time and time again in the past, will he be accurate in the future? And there's one more prophecy in the book that we need to talk about. It speaks of a ruler to come. Let's carry on in the passage, verse 26. It says, the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Well, that doesn't sound like the followers of Jesus. So this must be a different ruler. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. Desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. So remember, we looked at 69 sevens. There's one more seven to come. And in the middle of that seven, after three and a half years, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he'll set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. It's speaking of the 70th seven of Daniel, a time of seven years that's in the future. It does not immediately follow the 69th seven. There's a prophetic break in the chronology. And we live in that break right now. It's called the church age, a time between Christ's first coming and the end of the age. There's a period to come. Seven years are referred to by most theologians as the tribulation, a period of chaos and suffering and destruction. The tribulation is mentioned here in Daniel 9. It's mentioned in Daniel chapter 7. It's mentioned in Daniel chapter 12. And it has corresponding passages found in both Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation. What we see here is that the period's divided into two, three and a half year periods. There's a beginning, a midpoint, and an end. And it features a different ruler. An author of destruction who causes desolation. And it's referring to the Antichrist who in the end will be destroyed. You can plot it out on God's timeline this way. We're in the church age. There is a seven-year period 
coming called the tribulation. The 483 years are over. The anointed one has come. There's still seven years yet to be. Now, listen, I'm not an end times deep dive scholar. So I don't claim to know precisely how this is all going to happen. And I'm not one to speculate in the pulpit. Some say that the believers will actually be raptured from the earth before the tribulation ever occurs. And a lot of people believe that because that's the best plan. I mean, think about it. You're like, yep, that's what I believe. Of course you do. Of course you do. There's a little bit of Bible evidence for that. And there's a lot of extra biblical writing about it. Some believe we'll go halfway through and be raptured at that midpoint. Others believe we'll go all the way through. Now, I don't know how it's gonna happen. I can't give specific detail, where, when, but many attempt to do just that. And they have their theories and their charts and their timelines. There's even a movie about it. Got any questions, just call Kirk Cameron. He seems to know how it's all gonna happen. But here's what I could offer you today. God's the author of the end of the story. It's already been written. And Daniel tells us it's already been sealed. The end of the age is in God's hand. The sovereign creator of the universe has already decreed. He's already ordained each minute of it. So here's our job. Our job is to live faithfully in the in-between to be ready for whatever comes, to be willing to do whatever's necessary to bring God glory and to take as many people with us as possible. Amen? That's our job. Live faithfully. Be willing to do whatever's necessary to bring him glory and to take as many people with us as we can. I'll bring one verse from chapter 12. This is the end of the book. Daniel said, I heard but did not understand. Welcome to my last two weeks. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all of this be? And the Lord replied, go your way, Daniel. Live your life faithful to me as you have been, O highly esteemed one. Go your way, Daniel. Because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. The story is written And it's ordained, and it's from the sovereign ruler of the universe. We're awaiting the next chapter, and our job's to be faithful to the end. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, we rest today. We take a deep breath and receive your peace because you are the sovereign ruler of the universe and you're in control. And as this world spins out of control, Lord, and we'll have a downward trajectory, Lord, we wanna be found faithful to you. So Lord, if that requires courage, sacrifice, would you give us the strength to do it? Father, I pray that you would glorify yourself in us and through us forever and ever.
there's moments that you just kind of don't want to get out of, but because of time, we got to. Can we give a shout of praise to King Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, all he's done and all he's doing and all he will do? Um, if you need prayer this morning, uh, we have uh, a couple in the prayer room, and they will, they're, they're here for you this morning. If not, fellowship, again, it's an honor and a blessing to worship and to meet with you. And uh, I pray that you have a great week and that uh, you just catch Christ expressing himself through you around every corner. And you just say, wow, and thank you. All right?